good to be in the house this morning, isn't it? Wow. Amazing, awesome worship. Powerful. I was just like noticed and ended up bringing me a, you know, a Kleenex because I was just standing over there with, you know, snot running eyes. Just, it's like, yeah, ew. God's so good. When I was just thinking of how faithful he has been, I just instantly came to tears like, wow, he's been so, so good to us. Hasn't he been so good to us? Wow. Well, the first thing that I would like to do is get that, the first video, the National Day of Prayer video up there. Uh, I mean, picture. It's not a video. It's a, just a picture. Or just tell you about it. There we go. You know, the May 5th is a National Day of Prayer. How many people knew that this morning? Oh. About maybe a fourth of the congregation was aware. National Day of Prayer. I was so excited. I had on my phone the origin of that, when it was started, and some of the really cool facts. And I am so good with technology that by the time I got here with it, Tried to pull it up a minute ago. It was gone. So we're going to test my memory now. It was established by Harry S. Truman in 1952. The first one was the first Thursday, uh, second Thursday, third Thursday, whatever. I don't remember exactly. But it was a Thursday in May in 1952. It's like, Man, that's the same year I was born. So that tradition is now 70 years old. Not just tradition, that institution, we'll just call that, the institution of prayer as a national day of prayer. It's like, but that hasn't been advertised. It's like less than a fourth of you were aware that this Thursday is a national day of prayer. It's like, oh, that's, that's not good. That's, that's not good. It's like we should, as churches, as believers, be supporting that. We should be in prayer for that. Uh, amen? Can you see what that says? On, at the Capitol, second floor rotunda and Capitol steps, several churches are going to be a part of this on Thursday. At 10 a.m., it's prayer time on the Capitol steps. At noon, surrounding the Capitol with prayer. From 2 to 4 will be worship on the second floor rotunda. 5 p.m., worship and prayer again on the Capitol steps. From 9 a.m. till 4 p.m. will be a Bible reading marathon. So I believe we should show up there and force support this effort. Misty Carlfelt has been instrumental in, in this and in promoting this and absolutely has been attacked, feeling like it has been a real struggle. We just call it a real struggle. And one of the things that I want to point out next, if we could show the next, I encourage everyone to be there. Anybody that possibly can, at some point, you can see the schedule here. At some point to show up there, be a part of. And if you can't be there, be praying for the people that are there and for our country. Yeah. 
Can we see that next video? Yeah, that also is what's going on at the Capitol. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, these kind of things and Satan worshipers, demonic, all of that stuff used to be something that seemed like it was way off in the dark shadows, that it was hidden somewhere, that it's back in the forest, it's in some basement. Now it's right in our face. The National Day of Prayer, second floor rotunda, and this is their lineup. Unbaptisms. Satanic rituals. Join us for satanic prayer. Like, oh, right out in the open, right at the Capitol. Does it feel like we might be in a battle? It's like, oh my goodness. Created and established by and signed into law by Harry S. Truman in 1952 and nearly forgotten by 2022, just 70 years later. I was just thinking about the battle as Christians, where we fit in this whole battle plan. I want to... Not exactly sure what I want to do, but we're going to get started here anyway. I would like to turn to Joshua 5.13. We have that. And it came to pass... When Joshua, and everybody knows who Joshua was, he was Moses' right-hand man. He was at the tent with, with Moses all the time. He was one of the two spies that came back that said, we can take it, we can overtake this, we can own this land. Um, and only two of 12 were in agreement, so they wandered around and around and around and around in the desert. So that Joshua. When Joshua was by Jericho, this is with the group that have crossed over into the promised land and were ready to look at, consider, take Jericho. That he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Next We did not have, okay, that's probably my bad right there. I gave that verse to, to start with, and I didn't say where we would finish. Sorry, Karen. So, what the answer to that was, I guess I should find this really quickly. Verse 13 and 14. And it came to pass when Joshua was looked, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And the angel answered, no. It's like, no. I'm not for you or not for the enemy. It's like, well, what do you mean no? How do you, how do you answer no to the question? Are you for us or for our adversaries? No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I'm not for you. I'm not for, the, for your adversary. 
I'm on the Lord's side, and whatever he instructs me is what I will do. It's like, are you Republican or are you Democrat? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm on the Lord's side. But would you not say from what we've seen that we're in a battle? And whose side are we on? The Lord's side. Can I get that next picture up there now, Karen? That's a road sign. The one on the left, or my left, yeah, the one on the left is a road sign. You know that you can buy those road signs, that you can pay to buy those road signs? So I want to say it's like right in our face. That is right in our face. Adopt a highway, the satanic temple of Idaho. What section of the highway do they own? I don't really want to drive on that section. Either that or we all need to drive on that section because we carry the presence and we change atmospheres. It's like, whoa. I love the other sign there, though. Satan has no home here. He has no home here. He has no part in me. We're all on that same page? Yes. Yes. There's a battle to be fought. There is a battle to be fought. Uh, I want to talk about the, the two sides of this battle. We're seeing such darkness. I've never seen anything like this in my turn 70 here just this, this month, and I have never seen anything like this in my entire life, what's transpired over the last two years. Have you? Anybody anywhere near my age, have you seen anything like this where it's become so blatant the dark is getting darker and the darkness is coming forth? We're seeing it. It is being exposed. It's coming into the light, but it's coming for battle. And what are we fighting for? It's like, oh, you know, we are to love, 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 love. Love as God loves, yes. But... We're battling evil. We know there's a kingdom of darkness, and we know there's a kingdom of light. Right? And we are on the side of the Lord. With the kingdom of light. I just very quickly, I felt like I got a quick download. And, and, and <clears throat> we're talking about the difference in heaven and hell. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heaven or hell. It's like opposing sides, the two portions, the two parts, the things that we end up choosing from when we're choosing sides. And it is God pursues us, God runs after us, God chases us, because his desire is that none would perish all would be saved. Everyone would choose Jesus Christ, believe on him, and be saved. But it's a choice. So, heaven, hell, good, evil, on the side of light, light, the other side, darkness, 
Jesus, Satan, we've seen. It's the national day of prayer for both camps. Angels, demons, truth, lies. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And who's the author of lies? Satan. Jesus, Satan. Truth, lies. Jesus came, John 10, 10 says, Jesus came that we would have life and life to the abundance. Jesus came to give, give eternal life. Give our freedom to us. What did the devil come for? John 10, 10 as well. Came to kill, steal, and destroy. He came to take, take, take. Jesus came again that we would have abundant, everlasting life. The devil came that we would have destruction and death. Everybody still. Okay. Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, we will. When I think of, I can just go back and, and, and think about my life and even how I grew up. I grew up in a wonderful home, a great home, good morals, good standards, great work ethics. Honesty was paramount. Honesty, honesty. But one of the things in my house that when my dad would get mad, a string of things might come out of his mouth that were not very holy. That was how he was raised. That's how his brothers, his sisters, that's, how they, that's what they knew, that's what they understood, and that's how they spoke. It's like, wow. So it's something that I grew up with, but at 19 and almost a half, a little over 19 years old, I gave my heart to the Lord, and Jesus started changing some things. Shortly thereafter, I was self-employed, partnering with my father, but not necessarily working with my father. He was teaching me, he was directing me, but I was the one that set the course and the culture, the work culture, I'll just say, for the people that worked with me and that I bossed. And so I got to control my environment, and so there really wasn't any more swearing. That's, something, that's one of the things that when, uh, when I do premarital counseling and I talk about, you know, what is it? I will have people list what is it from your house, the house that you grew up in, that you lived in, that you do not want to bring into your house and into your marriage? That's one of the things, you know, temper problems and foul language. It's like, I don't want that in my house. So it didn't come into my house. That was one of the things, like, yeah, nope. We don't do that because, because the Word says not to. How's that? There's no room for it. There's no reason for it. So we don't do it. <clears throat> so <clears throat> that changed. Now, I think where I'm going to go, where I'm going with this is we have the Holy Spirit. 
In the Old Testament, I, I think of, you know, Moses and, and what he went through. God wants to work through each one of us because we are his hands and feet. And when we read through, even through the Old Testament, you know, God could have delivered the children of Israel however he would have chosen to, but how he, what, what he has established and how he has chosen to accomplish his will on earth is through us, his creation, his, his people. And when I think of all of the things, you know, it was instructions that he gave to Moses. It's like, you need water? Well, you, okay, we'll hit that rock with your... You need to cross the Red Sea, hold your, keep your arms up through battle, put your staff out, pray. And everybody is seeing all of these things take place through an individual that's sold out to God. Right? So he is working, even in the Old Testament, through his people. And when there was to be destruction and there was to be a, a battle fought, it was pay attention to the details. When we look at the, at the at, at, even the walls of Jericho, you know, I want you to follow very specifically their, their first victory, Jericho. The walls of Jericho came down. Battle of Jericho. Specifically, it's not going to be up to your talent. It's not going to be your ability. It's not going to be your incredible wisdom and battle uh, battle knowledge, it's going to be following very carefully the instructions in detail. Right? With me? So he used people, but he expects obedience in detail. Okay. So when the details are followed, the victory is guaranteed. It's like their second battle... There were some struggles because there were some details not followed. And because those were not followed, it wasn't a victory, it was a loss. So God teaches us a whole bunch through our losses. That's when we'll really start to pay attention is after we've lost a round or two. It's like, God, what, what, what happened? So in the Old Testament, it required... Uh, a dedicated man of God, like, like a prophet, an apostle, or, or whatever you want to call him, pretty much, pretty much prophets, to hear from God, to work his works through them, and then through the rest of the people. <laughs> kind of like that. But God's desire and design was to send His Holy Spirit so each and every one of us would be hearing His voice and be following His instructions. We don't have to look to a man of God. We have to look to the Holy Spirit who will lead us into all truth, who will be our guide, who will be our comfort, So we have an option of choosing the Son of God, believe on the Son of God, and be saved. Be baptized, be 
get Jesus inside. Be baptized in the Spirit. Be endued with power from on high when the Holy Spirit settles upon you. So we got it inside. We got it outside. We got the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish and to overcome the enemy and all of his wiles and all of the darkness. But, but, we have to choose, commit, submit yourself, submit to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you then. There is a submission that's necessary and a commitment that's necessary and then start to pay attention to the details. Paying attention to those details that we hear. So we have to come to a place in a relationship with that Spirit of God that we hear that still, small voice and then step right into obedience, paying attention to the details. All right, are we still okay? Okay. Now... In my household, about the third or fourth year that I was at Valley Church, I was, you know, I'm not a, like a really fast learner. I started to learn a few things about Holy Spirit and, and, and go back and reflect over some of my past and some of the things that he had been teaching me. Because, again, I say so much of what we learn is from our mistakes. You run your head into the wall, it's like, yeah, I might not do that again. Well, I might try it one more time. <laughs> what we learn from our mistakes. We correct our mistakes and then move forward. So, Renee and I had moved, been married a couple of years, moved, been in the house. We were a couple of years, so that would be like four years, four years at Valley, four and a half years at Valley. And I started hearing and learning that I had been hearing all along from the Holy Spirit, just not understanding where it was coming from or what I was hearing. And this all makes sense. And so I started making some changes, like, wow, huh, okay. Remembering and thinking, you know, I was able to control my environment because I was the boss, so I didn't hear all the swear words and stuff. So I kind of got to a point that it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't want that. I don't want that in my house. You know, my house is my, is my refuge. It's my sanctuary. And when people come into my house, typically they'll feel peace and like what they feel. It's like, okay. So in my house, I have some rules over my house. It's like, ooh, you're a rule guy. Well, for my house, for my house. It's like... An, so we did a remodel in 1993 or 94, and we made this booming big stereo and the biggest screen that I could fit in the basement at that time was a 55 or 60 inch, and it was about that deep, and this monster that we put down there, and it would turn everything on, it would rattle the dishes in the kitchen up, up above it. But I also, you know, it's, it's one of the things that, you see, we lay this out here first so somebody might have to remind me where I was at we are soul spirit and body 
And that spirit that we have in us, when we've asked Holy Spirit, we've asked Jesus to come in, we have the Spirit of God living in us. Isn't that amazing? The Spirit of God lives in us. That's incredible. But we have this soul, which is our mind, body, and emotions, that wants to end up running over that spirit, taking control of that body. Because it's our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, and everything that feeds into that is our eyes, our ears, our touch, our feel, our taste, our smell. All of those things are feeding our soul, our body, the, the, all of the gates. And if we're not careful and watch those watch over those gates and establish some rules for our own temple, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. So we have to establish for ourselves some guardrails to guard this spirit that lives inside us so that we can hear it clearly, so that we don't offend it, him, it, him, him. So that we don't offend him. I mean, the Bible instructs us that way. So that we're not offensive to that spirit that lives inside us. So putting up some of these guardrails and these protections, it's like, okay, well, I take that over into my home because that's my refuge. That's my sanctuary. And I think, you know, because I had controlled my environment, my work environment, and, and the, the things that people said to me. Whenever I would hear somebody especially take the Lord's name in vain, like, it was like somebody running their fingers down a chalkboard. It just it hurt my spirit. It's just like, oh, that's why I don't want any of that. I, there, that will not be in my house. That will not be in my house. Like, no, no. If you want to talk that way, you need to be outside. You, you need to be somewhere else. It's like, oh, you prude? You, it's like, yeah, no. People sense the peace and the presence even in your house. So it's important what we allow into our house. So <laughs> this is when I determined, it's like, man, I really like action movies. I like blood, guts, and shoot them up stuff. But what comes with that, so oftentimes, is really bad language. And so I, I came to realize, like, oh, you know what? In my house, there's not going to be that. I don't do it. I don't listen to it. That won't be happening in my house. So I just made a hard, fast rule. There will be no R-rated movies in my house. We have set up this really cool theater down there. It's like... Dad, but there's this, like, no, no, not in my house. It is, it's not in my house. There were other rules that I established for my house. It's because of the way that I grew up and the things that I saw when I grew up is there will be no alcohol in my house. It's like, oh, Pastor Lynn, like, that's my house. <laughs> it's like, it's not going to be in my house, so nobody needs to be the one measuring you know, you can't be drunk in public, don't, don't be drunk. It's like, well, I think you had one too many, so I'm going to have to kick you out of my house. It's like, no, no, there just won't be any alcohol in my house. 
It's been that way since 19, I don't know, somewhere after dirt was invented, but <laughs> a long time, a long time. That's been, ain't happening in my house. There's one time <laughs> I was just talking with Renee this morning, and I said, you know, do you remember when Danny and Larry, a couple of my cousins, wild, 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 wild cousins, came to visit with me and stay with me, and I, and I just let them know, you know, yes, I would love to have you guys stay with me, but please respect and honor this, that, you know, we don't, we don't drink, the, you know, no alcohol, no cigarettes, they all smoked and, um, and drank a lot. So, got up one morning, and Christy Lynn was five. She's five years old, and she knows the rules, but I didn't think she even knew what beer and what alcohol even was. But So I went out. My cousins are out. They've got coffee. They've gone out on, into the backyard, and they're sitting on a picnic table early in the morning. And I got out there to find that they had been on the picnic table the night before as well. So there was beer bottles sitting all over. And they were out there drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes because that goes so well together, coffee and cigarettes, you know? So it's like, and uh, so I went out there and it's like, well, it's outside. <laughs> they respected my wishes, it's outside. <laughs> so I went out there and I sat with them and I drank coffee and we visited and talked about old times and stuff because this is the first time that these wild, crazy cousins of mine have even come to my house to visit. And it's really cool that they're there, and it's really cool that they've respected my wishes and, and all, but we're, we're sitting out there, and we're, we're visiting and drinking coffee, and I'm trying to stay out of the cigarette smoke because I hate it. But Christy Lynn comes strolling out there, a little five-year-old, and just kind of climb, climbs up over by, uh, to me, you know, she's like, She's touching my knee, and she's looking at these guys, and she decides to compose a little song. Jesus doesn't like it when you smoke or when you drink. <laughs> but, the chorus, but he loves you anyway. <laughs> It's just like, I will never forget, my older cousin turns to, to, to his brother, to my younger, and he goes, Danny, I believe we've just been preached to. <laughs> so what, what we're fighting for, back to what we're what we're fighting for, what we're contending for. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness. But we have got to fight. You know, it would be so wonderful to just be able to run to the church and hide in the corner and think everything's going to be okay for us. But we're fighting for our children's children and for their children for generations to come, and what we tolerate, this is, I, this I thought was the coolest statement I heard from a YWAMer that was staying at our house, uh, 
They've just had their second kid. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Yeah, kick the cat, Jeff. <laughs> I think you all remember, remember that. Uh, him saying, yeah, I almost forget what I was saying. Him share, those guys sharing that what we tolerate for one generation will be celebrated the next generation. It's like, oh my goodness. And we look where we are today when we see it's like, wow. Now, I want to address, I'm going to have to go to Scripture here pretty soon, but I'm just going to keep talking for a while. There's uh, like several letters. Starts with an L and ends up with a TQ or somewhere in there. That a community that has been established and sometimes I don't want to end up getting taken off YouTube because it's too valuable to us right now to be to be able to use that to put, to be post on YouTube. So, but I also believe, so firmly believe, that as we experienced such a shift last Sunday, we we, we all felt the shift, or several there was a shift last Sunday, right? Some of you are looking at me really blank. Others are... There was a real shift, a spiritual shift that happened Sunday. And I, I believe we're called, we're moving. Not only called, the shift has taken place. Next level, next level. It's, it's happening. We experienced it powerfully last Sunday. We, we were in our pastor's meeting, and Pastor Rich said, from the very first worship song till the end of Pastor Matthew's message, Till the end of the prayer time, he said, we were in another realm and another level last Sunday, and I could not agree more. But God wants us to be so aware. He wants us not to have our head in the sand and be hiding Christians, but be very much aware that we are a part of the battle, that we need to move to the forefront of the battle. It's like, you know, well, we can't get political. It's like, we can't. When I look back at National Day of Prayer and, and was reading some of the footnotes and what was established, you know, this country was established on prayer and on the belief that in God we trust. It says it right on our currency. We have the number one currency still in the United, Sta in the United States in the world right now because I believe there's been such favor on this country because it says right on our currency, in God we trust. We trust and we believe in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our Father in heaven. In that belief, Understanding and realizing that our country was established and our political system was established on these foundational beliefs. So why do we buy into that, that the church and state should be a complete division and in the church there should be no politics? Again, it's Am I a Democrat? Am I, am I a Republican? No, I'm on the Lord's side. But being led by His Holy Spirit, it's important that I recognize and realize 
those that I vote into office, what fruit is being produced in their life? How do they vote? What are their core beliefs? Because from their core beliefs is where their vote and who they support and even what's going to happen is based on their core beliefs, not what comes out of their mouth. So we need to be, we need to be educated on how people, how our congressmen, how our senators, what our president really believes. And we need to be praying for and governors, and we need to be praying for them, but we need to be voting for the ones who believe that God is, <laughs> is in control, that God is real, and that we need to be serving him, that what we do, what we establish, how we vote, and even the principles that we live by are established in the good book, in the Bible. Okay. Yeah, we're going to go to Galatians 5. Let me start talking about fruit. We're going to go to Galatians 5. In this amazing Passion Translation. I don't preach from this very often, but I, I, this, is so, this is so good how it's worded here. Uh, verse 16. The Holy Spirit, our victory. Do we have that? Uh, oh, yeah. Galatians 5, verse 16. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. Ooh, that's good right off, isn't it? We talk about our flesh, our, our, our mind, our soul, our mind, our brain, and all of the senses that we have that feed our flesh, we talk about that Holy Spirit that we protect, that Holy Spirit that's in us, because our goal is to get to the point and the place in our relationship with God that we hear that Spirit speak and that we submit to that Spirit in detail and obey. And protecting that spirit, that's where I was going a while ago, protecting that spirit by what we take in through our eyes, through our ears, through our touch, through our smell. <sighs> through our mouth, our lungs, our... For yourself cravings, the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. Oh, let's listen to this. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him 
from living free within you. Is that good? Does that kind of get your attention and make you feel a little... And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. Should we read that again? And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. Oh, that's so good the way this is worded. You can be reading it in New King James, but this is powerful. When you're brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, everybody say freedom. freedom. Full freedom. Of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, Chasing after things instead of God. Chasing after things instead of God. Manipulating others. Hatred of those who get in your way. <laughs> Senseless arguments. Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums. Angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. Being in love with your own opinions. Being envious of the blessing of others. Murder. Uncontrolled addictions wild parties, and all other similar behavior are listed as the cravings of the self-life. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the Anointed One, have already experienced crucifixion. We've experienced crucifixion. We were buried with Him in baptism. We crucified our flesh. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. We must live in the Holy Spirit, follow after Him, so may we never be arrogant or look down on another person, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. I think of 
of this body that we've been given as like a vehicle, the vehicle for ministry. And uh, the, the, the driver of this body so much needs to be the spirit that lives within us. So if the voice of the spirit living in us is the one who gives directions for this vehicle and instructions as to where to go and what to do, then we are living by, in and through the Holy Spirit. If we are doing what we think is best or what we desire because it fulfills the craving of our flesh, we are partnering with the enemy, listening to the wrong voice, and walking in the flesh. Make sense? So we choose. We choose. I read a book by Rick Joyner. It's been, I can't hardly believe it, almost 20, not almost, at least 25 years ago. And it was called The Final Quest. Who's, who's read The Final Quest by Rick Joyner? Yeah, that, was, that book was eye-opening. And I remember him saying, you know, the marching hordes, you know, the marching hordes, and realizing it was Christians that were marching. But so many of these Christians, as they got close, and he heard the noise, as they got close, he's looking, and he saw they had something on their shoulders. And what they had on their shoulders, many of them, were demons, little demons sitting on their shoulder. It's like, huh. And those demons were whispering things in their ear. And it also said that the demons were like, like <laughs> throwing up in their hair and peeing in their hair. <laughs> anyway, they were making a mess. They were making a mess, but they were unaware that they had a demon on their shoulder. But when they realized that they had a demon on their shoulder, all they had to do was... Because we've been given that authority. We've been given that authority. But we have to recognize that that's the problem. We have to recognize that we're listening to the wrong voice. That demon that's sitting there chirping in this ear sometimes will absolutely make sense because it comes into alignment with the cravings of our flesh. It's like, ew, I like that idea. I like that idea. It is like the voice of Satan in the Garden of Eden when it said, did God really say, didn't God say, that voice, that, that voice of the demon that, that, uh, that appeared, or actually Satan himself, and started saying, questioning God, causing you or me to question God because of what we're hearing in this ear. This makes sense? That there is demonic influence in the lives of Christians in the form of a demon sitting on your shoulder, chirping in your ear. You know, you could. It would sure be. It would be awesome. You probably should. Have you considered? Does this sound familiar to anybody? One of the one thing that I have said for years and, and years is how important it is worship, worship, celebrating and, and praising God for who He is and what He's done and, and having an attitude of gratitude. And even in our daily life, 
when we can go about. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for, in our staff meetings, I might have shared this. Uh, we've started again, you know, we, we talk about miracles that we've seen and incredible things that are happening in ministry. And I just started, and uh, I started here about a month ago. It's like, okay, let's just decide what we're grateful. Figure out what we're grateful for. If there hasn't been a miracle, if you haven't experienced a miracle in a while, let's just talk about what we're grateful for. One thing that you're grateful for this morning, because sometimes we have to remind ourselves of what we're grateful for, which I was doing this morning over there. That's when I started crying. It's like, all my life you've been so faithful. All my life you've been so good to me. So so good to me. I, I, I am thankful. There's my baby girl. My other baby girl just came back in. This is a, just a special treat that I get to have both daughters and my son. I, this is like Father's Day today. I have both of my girls and my son all sitting here in church together. This is awesome. I love it. Make me cry again. And I'll figure out where I was. Thankful, thankful, thankful. Yo, yes. I want to take just a second. Yeah, because I don't have much more than that. I'm going to jump. I'm not going to read. This Blake K. Healy, Blake Healy, has written this book. He's a father of four children. He teaches at a, a school of ministry in Atlanta. He's on the staff. He teaches in the school. He's like, he sounds about like one of us, except he has an incredible, not except, there are people here with incredible gifts of seers. How many people here are seers? Awesome. Uh, that's, that's incredible. I wish I was. I wish I was. I wish I was. I'm getting to be a little more, a little bit more, a little bit more, but not anywhere like this, this guy. He sees as if in the spirit realm, just as if it is, he sees it with his physical eye. This is not just a spiritual eye. So I want to just... This demon thing, I want to just touch on this. He sees demons, he sees angels. Uh, I would have to say when I was young, I saw demons occasionally, and it scared me to death. I was absolutely fearful of demons until probably 10 or 12 years ago when, actually with Barb's help, that I realized that I had authority over them. They tormented me sometimes in my dreams. It's just like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But, yeah, 12, 13 years ago, I have authority over those guys. They can't torment me. They can't scare me like that anymore. But they sure did when I was young and afraid. Um, okay. This young man is a father of four. His daughter's name is November. And he was playing Mr. Mom this morning. This one morning. And... Uh, in that, uh, that's where I'll start. He was, he was preparing breakfast. As the eggs continued to cook, I ran around the house grabbing things I would need for the rest of the day. I'm about as good at remembering everything I need as I am at cooking breakfast. November, the daughter started to cry. She's probably, she's a toddler. 
upset that I kept leaving the room because she was in her crib, so I picked her up and carried her around with me as I packed my things. Trying to carry my energetic infant along with my computer bag, notebook, and coffee tumbler quickly became more than my arms and hands could manage. So I sat November down in the living room near a small basket of toys, which she promptly dumped over. I then began running the day's events through my head. I had to drop my oldest son, Hayden, off at school at 9 o'clock. Then I needed to head straight to the office for a meeting. My two-month-old son, Finley, had a doctor's appointment after that, and I was sure I had made plans to meet someone right after lunch. Then I started to smell burning eggs. I'm not sure if it was the harsh smell <clears throat> or because I had taken too long to get her some more food, but my daughter began to fuss and whine. I snatched her up in one arm, cringing as I stepped on a small pile of surprisingly sharp toys. I continued into the kitchen to see how bad the damage was. I did my best to salvage as much of the scrambled eggs as I could while also blocking my daughter's attempts to snatch the hot pan out of my hands. Sound familiar to anybody? My back started feeling sore from carrying November around all morning, and I began feeling sorry for myself because of my failed attempt at making breakfast for everyone. I now needed to figure out another food plan in half the time. I felt my frustration growing. It began to mount as the rest of my to-do list resounded like a chorus in my head. Then I began getting frustrated that I was getting frustrated. Burned eggs, delayed breakfast are hardly the worst of the world's problems, though. What right do I have to be moody? It was then I saw a demon come around the corner. There wasn't a lot to it. The demon was a little under three feet tall with a gray skin and a pot belly. Had dark eyes, a blank expression as it shuffled forward. Its pace and posture, that of a toddler who has smelled something tasty. Maybe they like burnt eggs. <laughs> I could have commanded it to leave. In the name of Jesus, be gone. I banish you from my household or something like that. But that really wouldn't solve the problem. The problem was in my head. The problem was that I had let my circumstances, as trivial as they were, determine my level of internal peace. Then I found myself humming again a worship song that I had been humming before. I gave my head a little shake to clear it, smiled at my daughter, went back to the refrigerator and got more eggs. The demon turned around, skittered away right after that. The mindset that attracted it was gone. So I hummed the song all the louder, proud of my minor victory, and Angel was fine. I mean, November was fine. It's so interesting, I've said for years, the only one that shows up, or the only ones that show up to a pity party are demons. If we want to go around feeling sorry for ourselves, mad, angry, frustrated by the situation that we're faced with, we're just inviting the other realm into our lives and our situation. When we have an attitude of gratitude and an attitude of worship, we're inviting the angelic realm into the situation. Angels love to worship. Angels love to dance before the Lord. This guy sees all of that stuff. It's, it's a very intriguing book.
Oh, I should probably tell you the name of the book. Profound Good. Profound Good by Blake Healy. I, I have not read all of it yet, but the way that I start out reading books, I read about the first chapter and I read the last chapter, then I pick about three in the middle and go, yeah, I'm going to read this book. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. Amazing book. But see, we, by our attitude, by what we're thinking on, by where our focus goes, are attracting either the angelic or the demonic. It's like you choose, you choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. Like that song, I choose this day to be grateful, Lord. I choose to have a thankful heart. I love that. Love that song. Got some more scriptures that I really don't think are probably necessary other than, um, other than. <laughs> Luke 19, 13. I, w- I want to take just a couple more minutes to, to tell the, uh, the story. You know, there was a, a prince who was going to be leaving to go away to a far land. It's Luke 19, 13. You can end up reading the story, and there's, there's more than one story that's like this, the one who was given the talents, but he was leaving to go away to a far land to be king, to, re, to be crowned king, then to return. And so he handed out money to those, to, to his servants there, some of the money. And and the, when he returned, the first one had tenfold. He earned ten times the money. The second one, something like that. But the last one, he said, I hid your money. I hid your money, but here's your money back. And think, he was told, occupy till I come. They were told by the master, occupy until I come. I wrote down what I, what I believe Occupy. Invest with the intent of increase. Invest with the intent of increase. It's like, you know, we've all been given gifts. He's given us spiritual gifts. And He has instructed us to occupy till He returns. So we are supposed to occupy. We're supposed to be the ones sending people to the high places in government. We're supposed to get involved. We need to be at the National Day of Prayer over there on Thursday morning. We need to be praying this junk out. We need to see these people saved. So we don't fight against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against necessarily those people. We're fighting against what they believe and who is directing them. And we go back to us being uh, uh, the spiritual vehicles. You know, we have that spirit, we have, but we're the drivers. And when, when we hear, when we hear the voice of the spirit speaking to us and directing us, you know that we're going to be on the right course. But again, I just say, as those vehicles, so incredibly important that we're paying attention to the details, and we have gotten such in our relationship with Him 
that we can hear clearly those details and discern the right voice from which shoulder we're hearing. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask the prayer team up here. You know, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and when I say baptized, you never had the Holy Spirit come upon you and feel and know in your knower and know in your spirit that you have been empowered from on high because you've just been wrapped in that presence of the Holy Spirit and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you've been filled, that I would encourage you to come up here this morning because I believe that He wants to baptize you in His Spirit and empower you in such a manner if you have never been. If you need healing this morning, He is the great healer. So I encourage you to come. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you are such a a good, good, good God, that you are faithful in all things. If we trust you, if we believe you, if we submit our will to you and to the spirit that you have put in us, your living spirit living in us, we will be directed properly, that we'll be directed correctly, that we will stand strong in the presence of our enemies, that we have the authority to cast out demons, to cast off demons, to recognize demons, the voice that's speaking in our other ear. And you have no right here. You have no place here. You have no place here. I thank you that you will acknowledge to your people this morning, this group, this people, and everywhere around your green earth, you will empower your people to hear your voice and be quick to obey. And I thank you, I praise you, and I bless this congregation in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go, do, be the light of the world. Be the light.